Welcome to the Sports Sister podcast, where we bring together professional experts with grassroots pioneers to discuss key topics for grassroots sport. I'm Natalie Doyle, and in this episode, I'm joined by two women who are doing fantastic things to engage girls in sport. Bethan Woolley is the FAW's National Women and Girls Participation Manager, looking to develop all areas of the game to drive and increase participation. Ella Rose McCourt-Cox is the Girls Engagement and Project Manager at Bloomsbury Football and is changing the game, showing girls in London that their place is on the pitch. These two have got some fantastic experience and some really good, helpful tips for you today. So let's go see what they have to say. Right, Ella Rose and Bethan, thank you so much for giving up your time to talk to me today. We're going to talk about environments and how do we create the right environments for girls specifically when it comes to participating in sport? And I think maybe we might get some people listening now thinking, well, a good environment is a good environment regardless of gender. And in some cases, in some ways, that is the case. But there are also additional considerations for girls. I suppose that's probably a good place to start. And uh, if I start with you, Ella Rose, what does a right environment for girls look like in your opinion? For me, I think it's important to start off by saying there's not one right environment for girls um, in sport. Um, I think ultimately it's about meeting the girls where they're at, um, looking and talking to them and finding out what what that looks like for them and not not assuming what they want and what they need. Um, I think it's clear that that's not happening at the minute or hasn't been happening um, from women in sports research and we'll probably talk a lot more about that because there's a lot to it um their research last year that came out on international women's day um showing that 43 percent of girls who would call themselves sport sporty have been dropping out of of sport and like falling out of love of it so i think that it's clear that the right environment isn't being created at the minute i'd like to say that we at bloomsbury football are creating that um but i think it is ultimately, like I said, about meeting the girls where they're at and finding out what they want and need. Yeah, definitely. Understanding those individual needs is really important, isn't it? How about you, Bethan? What would you add to that? Yeah, so um, especially here at the FAW, it's been a hot topic for us, um, especially over the past year. We've seen huge growth in female participation. Um, you may have seen a stat flying around that we've had an increase in our traditional game of 89% since um 2018 so we know that the game's growing um, but we do also know as, as Ella Rose mentioned that um, there is a drop-off especially in our teenage age bracket so how we can look at um, supporting our, our girls our, our females of all ages in, in the right environment so over the past six months we've done a lot of consultation around around that we've developed an environments for her and um, resource tool as well and um, to support not only our clubs but also our facilities and ensuring that the facility environment is right, that um, females feel welcome um, and that they belong when they're turning up to, to sessions. Um, and that sometimes is is the first it's the first um, step, right, in terms of knowing that you feel welcome, knowing that you're supposed to be there, knowing where to go. These are all things that can, can put women off turning up to, to participate for the first time. So it's how we can try and break down some of those barriers. And then also looking at things like on-pitch considerations, club cultures, et cetera, as well, to ensure that the the whole environment, not just the facility, is is right for our audience to retain and sustain that participation moving forward, really. 
Yeah, that's a really interesting point, isn't it? You mentioned about the teenage age bracket. We all know that's high risk in terms of girls dropping out of sport. What sort of additional considerations do you think you need for that age group when it comes to creating a good environment? So we've just done, again, a second piece of um, consultation with the teenage age bracket, um, looking at developing new programmes to support those girls that have dropped out or potentially not had the opportunity to play before. And a number of key points came out, really. Um, They don't like people watching, um, fear of judgment more than anything. um, So ensuring that the safe environments that they feel that they can turn up. Um, And also that some of the girls that maybe haven't had the opportunity to play at a younger age, um, don't have confidence in their abilities, don't have confidence turning up to the session. So it's about creating a, a welcoming environment, a friendly environment where they feel that they're not judged, that nobody's watching from the sidelines. A consideration that we put into our resource tool was around, um, especially if you're thinking of a, a 3G pitch, right? You're turning up to a session, you've got um, your girls are on and afterwards is an open-aged men's football team and they're all stood around on the side, they're kicking balls, they're shouting, they're being quite lively um, and that can really put off girls that are, are playing, they don't, no longer want to participate because there's there's um, there's guys on the side that are approaching the, the pitch, they're kicking a ball, they're pretty much on the pitch on the sidelines um, so it's all things like that around whether there is a, a space in the facility that um, the, the next lot that come on can can sit and, and wait until it's their time to ensure that the girls have that privacy to to play and enjoy the game just as much as everybody else. I think jumping on that as well, talking about fear of judgment and fear of people like watching from the sidelines, that comes at a time for girls um, where they're hitting puberty, like we're talking teenage, like early teenage years into their um, like into teenagehood and I think that it's important to know that we need to reframe like be reframing sport for teenage girls it's not about um, continuing the way that it always has been like we need to look at why they're dropping out like you said Beth and like fear of judgment fear of not being good enough and like I said that comes at a time where there's new challenges of navigating puberty physical like significant physical and emotional changes and also that feeling of like not being good enough sometimes. And I think that's where we need to step in as as women from like who have been through this um, and step in and, and be those role models for those um, younger girls and start to reframe what sport will look like for them going into their like teenage years and adulthood. Yeah, definitely. Ella Rose, you must have seen that as well um, when Bethan talks about people hanging around the pitch waiting to come for the next session we know how um how hard it is to find facilities in London so you must always have that people hanging around ready to jump onto the next session do you find that that is a is a challenge for your players as well um I mean facilities is a whole is a whole other conversation of course like <laughs> facilities are very hard to come by in London um but we're quite lucky in um in the way that our sessions run a lot of our um girl sessions are back-to-back with um, the other age groups um, so it'll be our under under nines and tens followed by our under 11s 12s um, and it'll sort of look like that generally speaking there are a few sessions of course where there are older um, older men's teams hanging around the pitch like only towards really the last five minutes um, but of course that can still impact and sort of girls might start to shut down when they if they see that happening more and more 
Yeah, that's great as well. And when you talk about role models, if you can do your sessions back to back and you've got the older age groups coming after the the younger ones, that's great for them to see, isn't it? Certainly. Yeah, I think. Go ahead, Bethan, go ahead. No, I was just about to say that's that's exactly what I was going to say. The visibility there for for those girls that are participating to be able to see a a full pathway absolutely helps with the sustainability of participation 100%. So that's great work from you, Ella Rose. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's, I mean, Loonsy Football, we're four years old and I think it's naturally growing. Like the girls' side of the programme is naturally growing. And so that hasn't been the case the whole time for us. But um like next year we're gonna we don't currently have an under 18s but next year as our under 16s go through it's just been amazing to see that sort of having those older role models for our under sevens under eights being able to see all the way up to yeah like young women is so good for them I think yeah definitely what sort of things need if you were working with clubs for example who are looking to improve the work that they do in this sort of area around creating the right environment? What what are the things that they need to be thinking about? What are the things they need to be considering? So um, for, for us over here in Wales, as part of the Environments for Her pack, we have um, a whole kind of section on club culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're working with our clubs to try and ensure that the, the female sections or the girls within those clubs have a voice um, and are listened to. And I think that that's the difference, isn't it? And and having a voice, but ensuring that actually what they're saying is is being listened to and is being considered. And so we try and ensure kind of a a one club approach where there is female teams that they're really embedded within the club culture. And that as well on the committee, whether there's representation of um, a senior player or if it's a a female coach or even just a a male that is working within the female game that can sit on the committee and, and ensure that, they have input to all of the the club's decisions, that they're also um, treated equally. For example, I know there's a lot of examples across the country um, of the women's team not being able to play on the men's pitch in case it you know gets ruined. It's a grass pitch and it's all boggy for the for the um, the next day when the men are playing. Right, um, so ensuring that there's equal access across the board um, from the girls section right the way through to to open age and veterans if if that is. Um, within the club as well so I think from us especially here in Wales is around ensuring that there's a one club approach um, where everybody's voice is heard and everyone's treated equally. 100% I also I do think that um, change is like it needs to continue happening of course it does Um, I mean for us we want to position women in like we need more women in football ultimately that's the goal and I think I feel really privileged in the position that I'm in um, to be a mixed race young woman in football working with younger girls similar similar to me and I think for them like having more women in football we know about periods we know about um, sports bras and I think going into that a bit more um, like we at Blue Football are giving access to all of our girls um, to free period products. Um, We partner with Frida, a sustainable period product company, um, essentially to tackle period poverty and period stigma um, in sport. I think that the conversation is starting to be had around menstrual cycle, menstrual health within sport. Um, For example, Emma Hayes um, at Chelsea, getting the women to sort of train and track at the same time. 
due to the fact of like high high rates of ACL injuries happening at a certain point of your period and I think like I said having women in those positions of power within football trickles down to to impact the players positively absolutely it's those conversations are are inevitably much more likely to happen when you've got women who are leading those conversations and I think that happens from a from a high level in terms of the work that that you do at the FAW Betham but also then down to club level and other organizations like Ella Rose you at Bloomsbury the the conversations that you'll be having as well and that's how the change happens is it you need to be having these conversations at all levels and making sure that you've got a group of people who feel empowered and able to start to make those changes happen I would say that that is something that is incredible within women's football because it's such a um it's a small community and everyone wants to ultimately grow the game for for us and for our girls and so I think there is that connection between grassroots and um like high level say professional clubs or the FA um because we know that we all need to tackle it together ultimately what the FA can help with on a grassroots level we can implement their strategies their everything like it's such a um it's such a great community of wanting to just grow the grow the women's game together which i love <laughs> yeah i think because the the numbers are still um much smaller than they are on the men's and boys side it, the gap between the the top and the bottom if you like is much smaller and I think you end up getting a lot of people who have been involved at various parts of the pathway previously and understand it better and I think that's probably where it enables women's football and women's sport to make those changes probably that that change can be quicker than it can on a on the men's and boys side okay so um I'm going to start I want to get into a little bit more about both of your um, particular experiences um Can you give me some positive examples, either from organisations you're involved in yourself or that you've seen um, of other clubs and organisations who are doing this really well, who you think that that environment that they're creating is exactly the sort of thing that that we're looking for and you would maybe use them as an example of um, best practice to other clubs who wanted to learn from them? Obviously, Bloomsbury. Yeah, of course, I've got to think about what we're doing at Bloomsbury. Um, um, I've I've been in my role for um, about eight months now, and so just as the lionesses, um, that pivotal moment in history as the lionesses brought it home last summer, um, and it's been it's been incredible seeing like helping the girls know that their place is on the pitch with us, um, especially from our standpoint, um, inner city girls who potentially don't have that um, access um, to football as they would in other places. So being in the place that we're at at Bloomsbury, having um, a 75-strong girls' academy, ranging from under-7s to under-16s, um, and it's constantly growing, is just so incredible. And the way that we're creating that environment for our girls is through having lead coaches who are women. We do have a few men in the girls' side, but um, having female coaches, female role models for them to look up to, um, them knowing ultimately that their coaches understand them understand what they're going through um can help them bringing period products like I said to sessions um we've had some sports bar fittings with Nike 
and helping them from that Chloe Kelly moment, knowing like the importance of the sports bra, like what it can do for them and make them feel more confident on the pitch. Um, so ultimately what we're doing is creating that environment by having these role models and having these on and off pitch, um, sort of this on and off pitch help mm-hmm. um, so that they know, like I said, that their place is on the pitch, that everyone belongs playing football with us. Um, and yeah, like like I said, no one's priced out of paying, playing, um, which is something that I'm so proud to say that we do at Bloomsbury. Um, so that yeah, every single girl is is playing if they want to be. Yeah, I, th- I think I think from us, we're in such a a key moment of development and growth in Wales. Um, the the growth that we're seeing currently, you know, is is far bigger and wider than than it has ever ever been before. We've got more girls playing at the younger age groups and and continuing through. Um, so we've introduced the under 19s now as well, um, leagues in both North and South Wales as well to continue that pathway. Um, we're always continually developing our, our female coaching workforce as well and, and just ensuring that every girl has an opportunity, as Ella said, um, no matter whether that's, you know, in school, out of school, whether they want to do that recreationally, whether they want to compete. Um, it's just around ensuring that there's environments for everybody um, in all different aspects of the game as well. So volunteering and not just necessarily having to be on the pitch or coaching there's so many other roles in in football and that's what we're trying to get across to our teenage audience at the moment you know there's there's marketing there's um journalism there's physios there's sports scientists um and an, an analysis i've struggled to get that word out then um, but yeah so through our, our b football mentoring program and um, that we've just introduced to, at the faw as well is for is for young females um that are looking for a career in football um, and we're just offering support in terms of the different roles and um, how they can potentially get involved and allowing them that experience really um, to partner up with some fantastic um, female role models across the country as well to, to really elevate the women's game um, and show that young girls, you know, that it's not just about playing football. There's so many opportunities out there for, for women and girls um, across the whole football landscape. Um, and just trying to reiterate that all the way through, really, all the way down to primary school to to allow them the understanding of, you know, football is there as a, as a key development tool, no matter what. Whether you just turn up to a couple of sessions, you're going to get so many life skills out of that as well that can help with your development moving forward. I would just jump in as well um, and say that, like, additionally, they need to be seeing other girls playing, not just from their club, but like across the board in the, in their area locally to them um, and something that I'm proud to say we're a part of at Bloomsbury Football and also sort of pioneered is the Girls Super League um, which week in week out we're seeing 480 girls um, who, like, who are registered to this league, um, 19 clubs from across sort of north, um, north central London and I think for our players playing against six, seven other girls' clubs regularly, sort of building that community is so integral to continuing playing football. Not only within your club do you need that community, but seeing other girls who um, from other parts of your city, other like other backgrounds, it's, it's just so exciting seeing so many girls on the pitch 
like hundreds week every week um and the venue's accessible so that so that as many girls as possible can can get there with their parents or by themselves if they're old enough and I think having initiatives like that like creating girls only league is just beyond obvious like we need that and so the girls super league is such an outstanding example of of that yeah it's about expanding people's horizons isn't it and showing them like you said Bethan around other opportunities for careers in sport and also about like you say seeing other teams in action so it's not just the people that you see all the time that you know are engaged in football it's showing you that there's hundreds of other girls who are doing exactly the same thing um and showing that that anything is possible in terms of those opportunities they can have absolutely and I think as well I think the key the key message in the a key important factor to take in is that it's never too late um so we're seeing a huge increase in um, women's walking football and women's veterans football of kind of that mixed generation that never had the opportunity to play when they were younger um and it's never too late to pick up a ball um or to get involved in any capacity you know there's if you want to change in career and uh, football's where you want to take it then it, you know it's it's never too late whether you want to pick up a ball and, and try and play for the first time if you want to volunteer at your grassroots club you know there's so many opportunities for for everybody across the whole women and girls landscape and it's it's a really exciting time to be involved in women's football as well and i think you know we'll all agree especially with the success of the lionesses at the moment which pains me to say um <laughs> No, it, it absolutely helps you know um and those those role models are key because especially when I was growing up and I'm sure you'd both say the same that there wasn't as many accessible role models in in female football whereas now there's hundreds um and it might just be like Ella Rose said the the local women's senior team that's in your community or it could be you know the elite um national team as well so um, it's such an exciting time for women and girls football. I would say as well that the community, like we're talking about community, the women's football community is such a safe space. Um, I think with looking at it right next to the man's game, like the men's game, um, going and watching a game is a completely different experience. Um, and I think it's knowing that, yeah, we're talking about on-pitch opportunities, but ultimately creating that whole like holistic football community off the pitch as well um where people like you say can see the opportunities maybe if they want to work in the game or if they just want to watch the game and enjoy sort of yeah going along um with their mates having like a nice time watching the football um that's super exciting i also do want to add that um like it's incredible the role models that these girls have i do think there's in terms of the lionesses i don't know if like it's important to note that there is a disparity for certain players they don't see players that look like themselves um which like in terms of race in terms of there is that gap at the minute that we do need to try and fill um and hopefully with the work that we're doing we're creating future lionesses at bluesy football (laughs) yeah i i jotted that down as well ella rose is something that i wanted to talk about because that is something that's been raised around um now that there's an increased spotlight on the lionesses it does highlight that there isn't diversity within the team that you would hope for um but I know that there are steps being uh, taken to hopefully address that do you think um 
do you see that hopefully having a positive impact in terms of your efforts to engage more girls that hopefully when the you look at Lauren James for example who's recently come into the team as you start to get better diversity through the lionesses hopefully that will help with um, you engaging girls especially in London where there's such great diversity across the city I mean yeah of course Lauren James as well last night winning um winning player of the tournament we got we got to <laughs> give her that shout out to Lauren James for doing that um but yeah of, of course I mean it's something that I do remain positive about I think with all of the efforts going on like the spotlight on the issue means that like that is going to be changed with the work that clubs like we're doing um like football football beyond borders bloomsbury football um girls united the work that we're all doing is really pushing out the boat and encouraging people from all backgrounds um inner city girls who might not otherwise have access to getting on the pitch um of course like all of that work that we're doing is pushing out the boat but i think ultimately um yeah, ultimately, we just need to keep striving and know that it's not going to change overnight. But hopefully in five years time, the Lioness team will be be more diverse so that young black and mixed race girls can see themselves in that team. And that's just going to continue, continue increasing diversity when young girls see themselves in the team. I think as well, it's really important to note that although there might not be the representation in the national teams, um, there are some amazing um, champions within the local communities as well and um, so we've got some fantastic role models female role models that are working in these diverse areas that are really pushing um female football um mm-hmm. across across a whole range of diverse communities right um and they're just as powerful and just as important as as those that are on um on the international stage as well and you know a credit to the work that some of our our female champions are, are doing in those local communities and and again the same to, to you Ella Rose you know because without those um, people on the ground um, and those role models really in the local communities um, it, it would be a completely different story you know so we're starting to see change um, and hopefully it continues it continues to grow. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to pick up on um, something else that you mentioned earlier, Bethan, around the work you do at the FAW around environments for her and thinking about facilities and what the considerations might be um, for girls in that respect. Could you tell us a little bit more about that piece of work? Yeah, absolutely. So the environments for her is is kind of split up into four key areas. Um, So we look at um, facilities and environment. Um, club culture, which I've already already touched on, we look look at on pitch considerations as well, looking at different abilities um, and levels, and then also mixed teams. Um, so mixed football um, here in Wales is up to age sixteen, I believe in in England up to eighteen still, right? Um, so looking at how we in, include females within our mixed team environments, but also then considering facilities and changing facilities for mixed teams. Um, so as part of our our facilities. Um, theme and element of of that pack we look at a, a host of different things and um, so for changing facilities being one ensuring that there is um, changing facilities available for the girls and um, ensuring that there are toilets with locks on for instance and um, sanitary bins in toilets right whether there's private changing areas for for those that may culturally need to change in private um, or those that 
you know, in terms of body confidence that just want to take themselves off and change as well. Mm-hmm. Also looking at things like visibility um accessibility so ensuring that there's imagery of, of females up on the walls if it's your clubhouse and it's not just the men's team um making sure that that the girls feel really welcome that um it's a safe environment um so things for example ensuring that the walk back to the car park is lit up right and it's not dark and the girls aren't feeling scared trying to find their parents at the end of the game or their lift whoever's picking them up um there's a whole there's a whole host of things that that we touch on. Um, again, things like who's watching, is it a safe space for the girls to train? Um, where are our parents when when we're picking them up? Where are our drop off zones? Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a whole host of things that I could I could go into into detail about. But one of the the main things that we touch on is as well around um, period products. I know Ella Rose has already touched on it as well, but ensuring that it's not a taboo subject with, um with our coaches, with our parents, where our safeguarding, whoever it is that that is looking after the girls at that time, but ensuring that there is products that are accessible, whether they're in the kit bag, whether there's a safe space, whether the facilities have them available. Um, but again, ensuring that that is across both the, the girls' only game and the mixed team game as well. Um, ensuring that everybody feels comfortable to have those conversations. And if a player asks to go to the toilet, it's absolutely fine for them to go and do that. Um, but yeah, we have a, a whole a whole host of considerations that um, that we've tried to address and hope that we've we've supported our clubs and teams to to make that facility environment as accessible and as welcoming for all females. I would say that those considerations though also come from us, like as women being in where we're, where we're at. Otherwise, like the changes haven't happened until now for a reason because men have been in these positions. And I think that, like I said before, like it's such a privileged position to be in at the moment of time in women's football, in the women's game, and being able to sort of put your finger on these issues, being like, why why is it dark when they're, why aren't there any lights on this street? Why are they training here? Like that's dangerous for them to be training here in the winter and it isn't a safe way to get to the main road, to get their bus, or why don't they have period products? Like this is really important to make them feel like they have access to the pitch all year round all month like month long and also on that as well something is like really important that um is like is the language that we use around around the women's game um and I think for a lot of men in football it's it's second nature you think of a footballer he him his football his shin pads and what what I'm doing, um, just being in this world is like really putting my finger. When someone says him, I'm like, what about her though? <laughs> what about her or they? They sort of <laughs> encompasses everyone. Um, and it's just really just sort of sticking your sticking your nose out and being like, actually, let's include her in this narrative, even if it's just from like talking about football in general. Why is it just him? Why is it just he? Why are you thinking of a man when you think of a footballer? Um, and just being a bit confrontational. I mean, it's not confrontational. It needs to be said, but um, it's quite enjoyable sometimes seeing seeing people squirm a little bit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We I think we had a conversation on that on a previous episode where we we talked about uh, women in leadership, and it's about feeling confident enough to to stand up and have those conversations. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Just you start get it just becomes part of almost like a habit, isn't it? You just keep 
being willing to call out that sort of thing. So people don't generally mind, I don't think. People aren't trying to um, be offensive. I think it's just it's just second nature that they say automatically, but it's flagging it and starting to bring that into people's consciousness. Exactly. Go ahead, go ahead. um, In terms of being able to challenge it, because... Um, like you say, a lot of the time we we did a piece around um, what what spectators are saying on the sidelines, whether that's parents and or it, especially in our mixed team environment. So, well, she's quite good for a girl. Yeah, actually, right? She's she's just quite good. Yeah, she's, she's a good she's a good player. And trying to um, share some of the language that should be used as a big piece as well around um, ladies teams and women's team. I know a lot of of clubs now are, are changing that narrative and that language that they're using to to women because actually the women don't want to be called ladies. No. Um, and I know a, a host of clubs have changed that, but we, we, you know, we have looked at a piece around language and what is being said on the sidelines and, and actually sharing some of this um, insight with our clubs so that they know to, to challenge it. And it's okay to be challenged because, you know, we're, we're supporting there, we're backing our girls um, and that that's what we want to see really. And it has been great seeing how receptive um, like people are to it. Of course, um, like it might be uncomfortable the first few times that they're corrected, but I think ultimately like knowing that you don't know everything and with sort of everything that's gone on in the, in the women's game, like on the women's side of things, like it's all relatively new. We're all still learning in terms of like it being banned, it's not been that long since since women have been playing internationally um and so I think like we all know that we're learning and there's so much space to grow space to learn space to develop um and it's great seeing that come from men as well as women in football yeah that openness to learn is really important I think what's really good as well when we just going back to the facilities point we were having there's lots of those changes as well, Bethan, that you that you mentioned don't require a huge amount of investment. It's just about getting people to think about, have a little walk around your facility, look at what is okay and what probably needs improving. You can almost it's almost like a checklist, isn't it? These are the things that you should be looking at and just see which ones you've got and which ones you don't. And to to raise budget to do those things like adding in locks or sanitary bins or period products isn't something that should require too much of a budget for a club. No, absolutely. And as, as part of our Environments for Her series, we, we um, deliver workshops. Um, and as part of that workshop, we have an action plan. Um, so we provide hints and tips to our clubs, um, for example, the sanitary bins, the locks. Um, and if they're not on the facilities, you can actually just go to the facility and, and ask why. Um, and more, more likely than not, they will then, you know, add that to the facility and there should be sanitary bins in facility toilets if the girls and women are using it. Um, so more often than not, they will um, look at that problem for you and solve it, right? Um, but where they don't, there's obviously opportunities to to put um, products, for example, in your kit bag, which are very low cost. Um, but it's just the, the small things that can, that can make a huge difference. Um, we had one conversation about um, that was raised in one of our focus groups about um, an individual going to the toilet. There's not been a sanitary bin, and then the embarrassment of then having to walk out into the changing rooms with um, the product, you know, hidden in their sleeve to then put in the in the bin in front of the team. Um, mm. And those are all things that can put off our participants. That um, 
you know we may not consider right on a on a day to day basis, but it's it's a huge thing to some of our participants and can really put them off um, coming back and and continuing to play. And also, like we're talking about this low cost, and it's like yeah, it's a low cost financially, but also any cost at all that stops that forty three percent of girls, sporty girls, dropping out of of sport, like it, it just doesn't compare. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's easier for a club to absorb that cost than it is for individuals to absorb that cost, especially with um, the current cost of living crisis and the additional pressures that puts on people. Okay, I'm starting to be aware of time. I feel like there's so many things I want to ask more about. But okay, let's I'm going to ask you to focus your brains now and think about if you if we have clubs or organizations listening to this who want to make improvements and we've gone through we've given so many fantastic tips already what would be your top tip that you think they could do in terms of improving their environment for girls preferably one that we haven't talked about yet i would say that um it's super important to look at what the spectrum of engagement is like why are these girls engaging with football with sport and I think that that is the number one question that a club has to ask to to be able to create that right environment we can we can know that they need period products we can know that they need support finding sports bras in their size um but ultimately we can't like the girls coming up now a different generation to us like it's knowing what they need might be different to what we needed at that time um of course as a general things like I said periods sports bras um like creating that good environment but ultimately what do what do you need asking them I think that's what I'd say is number one yeah, that's a really good point, isn't it? I think, Bethan, you mentioned it earlier around um, capturing the voice of girls, but it's also around making sure that you, what do you do with that information once you've got it? So there's no point asking them what they want and then you file it away somewhere never to be actioned on. How do you take that insight that you get from talking to the girls and make it have a really positive impact? Yeah, that, I mean, that was going to be my my key point um, is to listen listen to the girls and there'll be things that they come up with that we haven't even considered right um and every scenario will be different everybody's facility is different everybody's environment is different the girls will know what they want and it is so important that we listen to them and it might even be as simple as listening to what they want to be delivered as part of the session right it might be that they want a bit of social time at the end of the session or at the start of the session might be the facilities aren't right or it might be that they don't feel safe turning up to the set it could be anything but listen to what the girls want um because that is the only way right that they're going to turn up and enjoy it because you're essentially then delivering what what they want and what they want to see um so yeah in terms of my my key hint and my key tip um would be just to listen to the girls really listen as well um, and allow them the opportunity to to feed back into what your sessions and what your environment really looks like yeah that seems like a really good point to end on I think because I could listen to you two and all your fantastic advice for for a long time I think so thank you so much for giving up your time today I think there's some really great actionable advice for people who are listening from that conversation and 
I will um, also link in the show notes for, to the various things that we've talked about around uh, research and the resources that you have available through the work you're doing at the FAW, Bethan. Um, that'll all be in the show notes so people can go and, and check it out afterwards as well. But thank you very much for giving up your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. <laughs> I love that chat with Beth and Anella. I used to had so much variety to the things that they were bringing to the conversation, culture, consultation and listening to the girls, facilities, role models, the importance of conversations around puberty and periods, diversity and how that maybe needs to be improved across the board, the differences between engaging young girls and teenage girls, just some fantastic um, advice from them both. I really enjoyed that conversation. I hope you did as well. Um, As I said, all of the uh, links to everything that they talked about will be in the show notes. So please check that out if you want to learn more about environments for her and the work of Bloomsbury Football. We'll be back again soon with some more great guests. If you've enjoyed listening to this season and this episode, then please review and share the podcast wherever you can it'd be great to help other people to find what we're doing we'll speak to you soon